I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's Steve and Jimmy with you as always, and we are here to discuss Roma's 1-1 draw at Torino a couple days ago. We're recording Tuesday evening here on the East Coast of the United States. So a couple days have passed, Jim, since the match kicked off and completed itself, uh, not in the fashion we would have liked to see with the, the late goal by Zapata, which I'm sad to say I, I did call on the podcast last week. I said if Torino was going to score, it's probably going to be Zapata. And lo and behold, he got Roma in the 85th minute, which is probably one of the worst times to get hit with a goal, considering the way the match played out. So, Jim, let's reflect back on that match. It's been a couple days now. What, what are your thoughts on the way that one played out? Yeah, well, I mean, my first thought is actually kind of opposite of what you're talking about with the Zapata goal. I am happy to see Lukaku getting into scoring form here. Uh, that was his third goal in three starts for the club. And just let's be honest, I don't know if we've had a striker signing start that hot in a long time. So it was very good to see that. I will also say that, you know, as much as you did call that Zapata goal, I I don't think of it necessarily as like a scorned lover type situation, which some people were (laughs) suggesting on the Twitter on the Twitter verse. Or the X verse, I guess we're calling it X now. Uh, in my mind, you know, he's given interviews afterward after signing with Torino, where he was like, "Yeah, Roma wanted me and tried to make it happen," and then Gasparini was just like, "No, it's not happening." And so Roma, Roma moved forward. I don't have any ill will towards them, so I don't think it's like him kind of like coming to bite back against Roma. It is still disappointing. I mean, I said in the last podcast that if Roma wasn't able to get wins out of most at all of these matches uh in the next couple weeks that it would be a major disappointment it is a major disappointment to not come out of that with a win and i just really hope that thursday results in a win because if it doesn't then at the most roma will have gotten five points out of the first several match days and to be honest that's just freaking unacceptable uh yeah it it really would be uh genoa haven't looked fantastic yet so i'm i'm optimistic that we'll be able to get a win there but at the same time you know we shouldn't be looking to genoa to (laughs) to build roma's challenge for the top four 
I will say, outside of the obvious disappointments that that match brought, that it's not like other clubs haven't been disappointing so far as well. Uh, this has been kind of a wild start to the Serie A season, uh, whether that's Lazio only having four points, whether that's, you know, Napoli having eight points and seeming to implode from the inside due to, you know, recent situations that seem to indicate that Osimhen will be leaving the club as soon as possible, given that his agent is saying he's going to sue. Uh, Serie A is anything. It is it is just a lovely thing to comment on regularly because there's always some drama going on. And if you look at the top four right now, it includes Lecce. Let, let's just like sit with that yeah. for a moment. Like it, Lecce has 11 points. Roma needs of- to win their next two and have Lecce lose the following match because they did lose today to, to Juve to even be level with Lecce, right? I yeah. mean, crazy. Yeah. It's been a crazy five or six match weeks so far. So I'm not, I'm trying not to draw too many conclusions from this first stretch of matches just because everything has been crazy. And there's also not very much differentiation between you know like fifth place and 13th which is where Roma is right now it's still not an encouraging start I think you'd agree with me on that but it is I'm close to hitting the panic button but I'm not there yet are are you in the same boat do you think that like the panic button isn't being hit just yet or are you are you there now yeah I'm not hitting the panic button yet because other teams are slipping up. The The flip side of that is it's disappointing when Roma's the last team to play on the weekend. And you've seen Juve drop points. You've seen um, Napoli drop points this weekend. And Lazio drop points. And Roma then throws away two points at the end. On, on a set piece where you would expect Roma to defend better. Um, yeah. I, I, I like how you mentioned the, the score, and, score and lover type thing. was a positive. I don't think it was that. It was just more... If anyone's going to score, it's going to be the guy that could have been on Roma. And I'm, look, I'm glad that move didn't go through because Lukaku was a, a much better player overall. We know, we all know that. Um, and he still has, I think, more to give than Zapata at this point in his career. It's just it's just fitting. It's very Roma, Roma-esque, I feel like. Panic button, no. Um, concerned, yes. Because right now, Roma's goal differential is plus five. But when you take out the 7 nothing drubbing of Empoli... Roma's only scored five goals in, in those other four matches and allowed seven, which is very un-Roma-like that we've seen defensively under Mourinho. And that's something that's got to get figured out. Um, you know, they only gave up one to Torino. We know Torino's tough to break down, so I figured, you know, two would be needed possibly to win this, but it was going to be tough to get two. It's just that once they got that one nothing lead, I, you know, I was hopeful that the defense that we've grown accustomed to seeing hold up and, and, you know, kind of shut up shop when needed would be able to do so. Uh, They weren't able to do that. And I think they're going to have to figure that out. There are signs that this team can do what it needs to do to get to top four. Because again, you mentioned right now, fourth place is Lecce. They've played um, one more match than Roma because they played today on Tuesday and lost to Juve. And they're six points ahead. So Roma could technically, depending on how things go on the midweek, be within three points of fourth place. Probably not because there's so many teams in between them and, and Lecce. You know, it's likely Fiorentina, Atalanta, one of those teams wins and they're a little further than three points back. But 
teams are slipping up, but Roma's got to take advantage of not playing. And we said it before top six caliber teams on paper before they all start rolling around in the calendar, like around Christmas time, it's, it, it's a gauntlet. Uh, yeah. I think it's like Milan, uh, Napoli, and I want to say Juve or something in like th- three out of four matches or something like that on the calendar in front of me right now. But um, they don't play one of those big teams until Inter at the beginning of, I think it was close to the end of October. It was almost November. So they've got like four or five matches, like you mentioned, and Genoa's got to be a win. It has to be a win. I know it's another road match. I know, you know, at times it can be tough to play uh, over there. Um, but they, they have to find a way to do it. I, you, you can't not get three points against Genoa based on what Roma's thrown away in these first five matches, which is a lot of points. They've thrown yeah. away 10 points. Um, yeah. You know, Salernitana was easy to say, you know what? Antonio Canreva had pretty much the game of his life. Um, bit Roma twice. Tough, tough result, right? Yeah. Um, the Hellas match wasn't good. The Milan match wasn't good. It was kind of made to look better because Milan got that red card and the Roma was able to claw their way back into it a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, then Empoli was great. Of course, the match I didn't get to watch, so maybe it's my fault. Um, you know, because all the matches I watched, yeah, they don't stop perform. Stop watching right? games, man. Right? Come on. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the Sheriff match, I only saw the first half and then they ended up winning in the second half. So I don't know, maybe it's me. So, you know, listeners can can tell me to stop watching maybe. Um, but this one, first half, they didn't create much. Uh, the offense no. still doesn't look that fluid. I didn't think Dybala had his best match. Um, you know, battled throughout, but it wasn't his, like, most fluid match in, in the attacking phase. Lukaku, though, is the reason I have hope that top four can happen. Because if they figure out the defense, Smolin gets healthy, um, yeah. You know, Mancini and then Indica is coming around and then Lorente becomes a four center back. I do think there's hope there because I think the defense will solidify a little bit. Um, and the attack, if Lukaku, and I put in the three things I noticed piece post-match um, that published yesterday, he's still a game changer. Uh, yeah. He's he's proving that he needs very little service to make a difference in a match. I mean, yeah. the way, you know, Bongiorno played him very well for, for the first 60 or so minutes of the match. And then when he got that one opportunity, the commentator here in the U S on the English feed, it, it was an Italian guy. I don't, I don't didn't catch who it was, but he was, you know, doing the color for, for the paramount stream. And, and he described it well, like if you get too close to him and you try to body him, he's going to just use your leverage against you, turn you yep. and do what he did. And he did, he did it so well. It was, it, it was a big boy goal, yeah. right? Like you, you call those kind of plays, like those are big boy plays because he, did that so well, right? He he looked so strong compared to Bongiorno, who had a really good good, good match otherwise. Um, those little moments of magic, I think, are going to be the difference. You know, the, the goal they scored Thursday uh, against Sheriff was a very nice one, too, with him and Dybala. Um, I believe that was the, the Sheriff goal, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the one against mm-hmm. it. No, Empoli was the counterattack. Um, so he, he does a lot, and he looks very active in the attacking phase, you know, taking it out to the wing and receiving the ball out wide if he had to, trying to hold up the ball. So... That is something Roma lacked last season. Um, a striker who took the game by the scruff of the neck at times. Wait, and just won last season? Well, two years ago, <laughs> Tammy did a pretty good job of scoring goals. So I, I'm not going to say That's it's true. been like That's a year-after-year year thing. Tammy did it in a little bit different way that season. Because um, Roma played a little differently. I feel like with it was more him and Pellegrini you know, in the attack with Mkhitaryan supporting. But Lukaku is the reason, I think, if Roma finishes top four, 
he's going to be a big reason why him and Dybala is forming that partnership. And, and I think that's why I'm not yeah. panicking yet. Also because other teams are dropping points. Like you said, I mean, you look at Napoli, eight goals scored five allowed in five matches. Sure. The defense is still playing pretty well for them, but they're not scoring yeah. like they were. Um, mm-hmm. And if this, this Osiman stuff comes to roost and he is suing and he like holds out for a January move and chooses not to play or something, because there's some kind of lawsuit going on. Mark my words, Napoli will not finish top four because yeah. oh, they already lost Kim in the back and they're, most other players on that team are average to good, in my opinion, as individual players. I think things came together very well for them last season. I mean, Carbacellia hasn't scored in ages. I think he's kind of been figured out a little bit and has made that adjustment for them. And we've seen that with other players come into the league. I remember when Diego came to Juventus and he was like a world beater. I remember he scored on Roma like the second match of the season all those years ago, and he got figured out after he came from Wolfsburg. And and there's been other examples, and I'm not saying that's going to happen to Carbacelli. I'm not saying he's not going to rebound, but he's got to he's got to adjust. And our old friend Rudy Garcia is no Luciano Spalletti, so Napoli to me is very vulnerable. Um, Atalanta has their ups and their downs, right? Um, you know, Fiorentina is a, a team that's growing, but I still think they have their holes. I mean, look at Lazio. Lazio's got five goals scored and eight allowed in five matches. They're very vulnerable right now. And Maurizio Sarri is making excuses about how they're not used to playing in the Champions League. But you tossed away Conference League last season, so you could focus on finishing top four. So what's your excuse now, right? So I had to throw that in there because it's always fun to poke fun at Lazio. But that's why I'm not panicking because outside of Inter, maybe Milan, maybe Juve, I don't see anybody head and shoulders above Roma right now. And some people might say you're crazy because Napoli won the Scudetto last year. But given... What's going on right now with them? And this is dependent on the Osman situation. They don't scare me as much as they used to. No, I 100% agree with you on this, Steve. And I think that it's only five or six match days in. So it's hard to make any definitive conclusions. But the clubs that scare me are the Milan clubs this season. And that's about it. Uh, Everybody else looks human. Yep. And I will say also that even Milan have not been unbeaten to start this run. They they lost pretty handily to Inter. Yeah, uh, which so I think shows Inter's class. Inter has class. I will be honest and say the financials of Inter existing seems to be kind of questionable at the moment just based off of every single rumor that I've seen in the past couple years like we'll see how long Inter is able to be this dominant is what I'll say Um, beyond that Juventus Fiorentina Atalanta, Napoli the traditional clubs that have often stood against Roma in their quest for top four look very human And that provides me with a decent amount of confidence going forward. I think that looking at Roma's quality in the side, it's kind of funny. I I think that to a certain extent, Roma is doing what a side like Roma with its finances under financial fair play has to do, which is to find and develop players who are star quality with a but. So Mm -hmm. Lukaku is a star player, but he's had some problems with his last couple clubs. Or Dybala is a star level player, but 
he's had injury issues in the past. Or Lorenzo Pellegrini is a star player, but he sometimes is worn down after a couple months of playing in the season. That's what Roma has to do given its finances. The thing that's most encouraging for me is that over the course of the past couple seasons, especially under the Freakton group, Roma has been able to continue to add players who have that star level butt to the squad. Sometimes that can be frustrating. So we'll talk about this probably later in the podcast, but is it frustrating that Renato Sanchez is not regularly available for the side? A hundred percent like that. Yeah. If, if, if he was the quality that we know he's at and regularly available, Roma would probably not just be in the conversation for top four. They would be very comfortably in the conversation for top four. I don't think that's really up for debate. Like we know what his quality is, but the reason why he's at the club to begin with is because of that. If he was available all the time going further than that, that's kind of true for Paolo Dybala too. If he was available every single match, he'd be at Real Madrid. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's be real. Yeah. Like he would, he's that good when he can play. And you can go on and on about different players who would be, world-class if they didn't have one but and looking forward to the matches that Rome is going to be playing we've got Genoa on Thursday we've got Frosinone on October 1st we've got Servette on October 5th and we've got Cagliari on October 8th those are all matches that I think Roma can win pretty handily yeah and Granted, I've been fooled before with Roma sides plenty of times when I've said that, you know, Roma doesn't always win the matches that you think that they'll win. But we're still in a relatively friendly period of the schedule for Roma. And when the wheels usually fall off is in the March and April periods when Roma has done enough to continue deep into a competition like Europa League or Europa Conference League but they haven't developed enough depth to still compete in Serie A. That's usually Roma's problem. Like, if we're looking at the past couple of years, some people have criticized Roma for being, like, in the Europa League spots over the past several years. In my opinion, that's not really the problem. The actual problem is that Roma's good enough to get deep in the European competition that they're assigned to, but not good enough to compete across multiple competitions. And if Roma's able to comfortably win its group in the Europa League, if Roma's able to win these matches that need to be wins against the smaller sides, it will create so much openness against bigger teams when they do play them. Because those matches, while important, are less must-wins. Like, if you're able to get the three points against the small sides, it's less critical for you to get three points against Napoli or Inter or Juventus. And that's what I hope happens over the next month. Just doing the job is kind of what I'm hoping to see. And based off of what I've seen from the side, I don't think that's really that far out of the question. 
Um, I'm just going to pull up some quotes from Mourinho after the Torino draw. What he said was, we conceded a goal from a set piece. It's difficult to, difficult to play against Torino. Torino plays him very well with their physicality and intensity. It was a difficult match. We played a good match from my perspective. A few weeks ago, Paredes couldn't even play 15 minutes. Ndeka and Christensen arrived and had a very positive performance. In my opinion, it was a good match, but clearly we can improve and we can always do better. Difficult match for us and very difficult for them too. I think we forget that Torino is not necessarily like a bottom dweller here. Like no, we no. Playing... I think they're the toughest side in this stretch outside of Milan, probably. I would agree. And would I have preferred a win? Of course. But I am reasonably satisfied with the draw as it played out. Like, I am satisfied to see Lukaku's excellence. We weren't playing at full strength. And... I'm confident going forward into the next couple matches that Roma can get wins against these sides. So looking forward, I mean, there's always a question of rotation when it comes to that Servette match. And it's not necessarily the easiest schedule in the sense that it's three matches in a week. But what do you see going forward for us with Roma's kind of slightly congested schedule with four matches in two weeks. Who do you think gets rotated out? Who do you think gets put in? How do you think Roma copes with the rotation that we're going to probably have to see? Yeah, I, I think for one, at minimum, I think Belotti gets a Servette match. I think Villar gets that match. Um, some There's going to have to be some midfield rotation. Pellegrini was back on the bench on Sunday. I don't know how much he had to give. Um, you know, I, I threw out there on the boards and on Twitter, you know, asking for any questions related to the match or the season. And and Yorkata threw a whole bunch of questions at us. And he said, you know, pick as many as you want because he knows he threw a bunch at us. But one of them, he asked if the benching of Pellegrini was tweeting a truly injury-related or Mourinho was trying to send a message to the rest of the team. I'm not reading more into it than he was injured. He got injured on the international break and came back. And yeah, I, I, I think they weren't risking him on Sunday. I think he was more there for a from the perspective of having your captain at least dress for the match, I think it would have been dire straits to see him on the field. And I think um, the fact that Roma gave up the goal so late, there was no need to throw him into it. I don't think he would have been able to, to give us much in that one, but I think having him back is going to be big considering that Sanchez is probably out through that stretch of matches that you just mentioned. Um, I was a little surprised. I did mention in my three things piece, I was a little surprised by the substitution patterns by Mourinho in this one. He only threw on Zalewski for Al Sharari. And then dropped him more into a wing-back role when they needed a goal. And Belotti came out for Spinazzola. Um, Yurkata also asked, why did Roma go to a 3-5-2? And then right back to a 3-4-2-1. Why not try Bove in that Sanchez role? And while I might not have started Bove in this match, that was kind of one of the things I, I mentioned in the piece was, it was kind of strange to me not to see them maybe go, instead of Zalewski, bring on Bove for El Shore at that point when they're up a goal and load the midfield a little bit more with a, a third midfielder who can maybe break up play in the midfield and win the ball back and, and do those things. So I think he has a point there. Um, I do think there will have to be rotation. I think like Bove uh, name just came up is a guy who's going to play at some, some point in this stretch because with five midfielders, you're gonna have to rotate. When does he rotate Cristante? I don't know. When does he rotate 
Mancini. I think if Smalling's healthy enough, maybe he gets Europa League or one of those other matches off against a Frosinone or a team like that. Um, but he's going to have to pick his spots because he's not going to want to, I think, over-rotate in the league. Um, he's going to want to stick with Dybala and Lukaku as much as he can. Um, but you don't want to overwork those players, especially Dybala. He's going to have to manage... See, what's tough about the stretches is not so much the quality of the opposition on paper. It's more that there's so many matches coming up. Like, one of the things I'm looking at with this Thursday match against Genoa is it's Roma's third road match in a row. They went to Moldova last Thursday. Then they go up to Torino. Then they have to travel to Genoa. And it's right right there. It's three traveling, you know, excursions in, in a week stretch, pretty much eight-day stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also adds the fatigue, right? The the jet lag probably going to Moldova and back. You know, Turin and Genoa aren't that far from Rome. Those are shorter trips because the peninsula is not that big. It's not like American sports teams traveling from New York to San Francisco or something um, for a road match in a league. But travel still wears on you. You know, we've all traveled plenty, I'm sure, and most of the listeners too, that even, you know, sometimes a you know three-hour bus ride can can be a little bit taxing mentally sometimes if you're doing it often enough. And I think that's going to also lead to some fatigue um, that they're going to have to deal with, you know? Um, yeah. So I do uh, think there has to be rotation and hopefully having Smalling back in the fold by the weekend, I think at, at worst is, is what it's looking like in terms of maybe a start. Um, Pellegrini back in the fold. I think it does open up more options. I think maybe Osmoon gets a, a match here or there. I think they're going to have to find ways though. They're going to have to mix it up for sure. Yeah, no, I think that, first of all, we've got an interesting situation with the squad in the sense that we've been doing so much work as a club to develop depth, and then suddenly when we develop depth and there's rotation or injuries happen and, like, you know, players step in and do a decent job at actually starting, the next question becomes, oh, what happens to that player that's injured? Are they going to actually play again? Like, no, come on, cool your jets. Like, this is how rotation works that sometimes a player like Pellegrini gets a couple matches off because they were injured and it's not the end of the world because yeah. you've a significant. It's, it's early in the season too. So you don't want to push him back too soon exactly. and, and sacrifice more matches. And I was saying this before that like Pellegrini's season by season history has often been in the first two to three months. Holy shit. This guy is like all Europe level. Like mm-hmm. we'll be in a, all Europe starting 11 and then he gets worn down because he's played 16 matches in two months. And given that it's good to see him not play. Like, I'm not saying that I want to play him less, but like, it's good for him to have the opportunity to rest when he needs to rest. Um, Expanding beyond that. I hope Cristante gets some rest. I think we've got enough midfield depth now, assuming that Sanchez is healthy, that he can rest sometimes. Yeah. These are all really important things for Roma's ability to compete on multiple competitions. Uh, shout out to your Kota because he's a, another DC Roma fan. Uh, but also just beyond that, I would say that I think that with Smalling, it's a similar situation. Uh, this is a player who we all know has class. And I think that the level of depth that we've developed at center back has created a situation where that Mourinho doesn't feel obligated to play him every match. Yeah, I think that Indica looked good and has looked good when he's played. Uh, I think that 
you know, despite the loss of Ibanez, the center back depth looks good. And that means that sometimes Smalling won't play. And that's okay. And that's honestly actually good because it yeah, means that when, if, Rome was, yeah, if, if Rome was back in a Europa League final, they want Smalling at its peak. They don't want Smalling to be worn down by match after match against Servette or Genoa or what have you. Uh, they want him to be at 100%. So overall, I'm pretty hopeful for these next couple of matches because I think that for one reason or another, we haven't been playing at 100%. And even beyond that, I would say that Rome has been intentionally rotating in some situations. So hopefully that means that in matches that Roma should win, they will win. And beyond that, I hope that Roma is able to say, you know, Smalling, you're back in the starting 11 for a match that really matters. Because let's be honest, even though Genoa isn't a terrifying opponent, this match matters. Uh, And I think that's kind of the day-to-day decision-making that you want to be able to make as a manager. You want to be able to say, we haven't had the best form recently. I'm putting my best 11 in so that we can thrash Genoa. Or I'm putting my best 11 in against Servette to develop confidence. Soccer, football, apologies, um, is such a mental game beyond tactical. Like a lot of people act like soccer is just, you know, football's put putting the best 11 out there that you can and you'll win because it's better than the other, other 11. It's not. A lot of it's also a huge mental approach element which is why Mourinho has been successful he's known as a guy who can you know take a squad and really drive them in the positive direction and that's what Roma needs at this moment I think the talent's there I think you'd agree with me that the talent's there um it's more about figuring out who to play when and it's figuring out how to make sure that when they play they're playing well yeah, and I even saw a quote. It was from Mario Balotelli, who played for Mourinho in his early days at Inter, and he said something to the effect of, "You know, Mourinho is not the most um, tactical manager in the world, but he motivates you like no other." And and that's kind of where Roma is, I think, in some ways, and I think that worked well for the Conference League. Sometimes I think people get a little frustrated because there aren't the tactics and the, some of the more beautiful football that they'd like to see Roma playing. He's but not Luciano think, Spalletti, but also think about how many yes. times Luciano Spalletti's been fired. Yes. Yeah. Like, just, just going to keep it real with you guys. I know that Spalletti's beloved, and he's rightfully so beloved, but at the same time, yeah. tactics alone do not win. It took until the perfect day. storm last season with, with Napoli really for him to win. And that is the perfect storm. Like, that will happen every now and then in the same way that for uh, Ranieri, it happened at Leicester City, that he yeah. made it work. But you don't just win by having the best X's and O's. Yeah, and I will in, in Spalletti's defense because he, I think he's a very good manager. At Roma, he did run into that. Uh, you know, he ran into those Inter sides that were were pretty good when Juve was yes. down and everything. And and then he had a historically good season for Roma that was only topped by a, an overall historically good season in Serie A by that Juve side. So he was a bit unlucky too. It does take some luck, and I think you saw that last season. He had a little more luck on his side. Um, than other years when when some teams maybe slipped up. More. Yeah, but, but I mean, come on, man. Close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's that famous saying, right? <laughs> um, 
we got to take one quick commercial break before our sponsors get upset with us, and then we will be back to talk a little bit more with you guys. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so sorry for the, the kind of abrupt break there, but we have to get our sponsors in. You know, they pay the bills, they, they keep us going. So, um... Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there is, of course, that element, too. And I think, you know, Roma needs to have the guy that's pushing the right buttons. And we got a couple questions about Mourinho. You know, um, your asked, should, you know, would we recommend that Roma re-up the contract? Because we did talk about last week how, um, you know, that is coming coming around again. You know, the, the rumors of that they'll talk in December. Uh, where Giuseppe asked, a lot of people are saying Mourinho should be fired. A lot of people are saying realistically it won't happen. If we continue to drop points like this, will watching the gap between Roma and champions and qualification increase? At what point will upper management say enough is enough and wear the full cost of sacking Jose? I don't think that will happen. I really don't. And I don't think Roma's going to fall that far out of champions and qualification reach early enough in the season for them to consider it. Um, I would agree. If it doesn't happen and, you know, Roma crashes out of the Europa League in the round of 16 and they finish sixth in the league again, maybe they just don't re-up the contract. Maybe they decide to move on to someone else. Um, But I I don't see them moving on from Jose in the middle of the season unless things go really sour before Christmas. Like, I think it has to get really bad. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Steve. And, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think one of the bigger indicators of this is just thinking about the free agent signings that Roma has made. Over the past year or two, you don't sign a guy like Indica or Awar or whoever. You don't sign any of these players, to be honest, with the idea that it's like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with our manager who is thought of as one of the best of all time. Like, will we sign him again? Who knows? Like, you don't get conf- you don't inspire confidence in potential yeah. signings by being honest and saying like, hey, this is up in the air. And that's what makes me think that it's not really that up in the air. I think that Roma has a very clear goal of Champions League qualification. I think that Roma's management hopefully knows that nine times out of ten, sacking a coach doesn't actually solve the problem because, let's just be honest, it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem most of the time if you're not achieving your league goals. Um I would say that, first of all, we're five or six matches in. I don't think that we should be calling for anyone to be sacked just yet. But beyond that, the freaking era has been defined by star signings. 
whether we want to admit it or not. Like, I mean, like part of it has been to the annoyance of many Romanisti, the thoughtful financial planning that financial fair play requires. However, Paolo Dybala, Mourinho, Lukaku are all superstar level signings that I don't think anyone really would have expected out of Roma five years ago before the breaking. We we could have dreamed about that. Yeah, it would have been great. Um, But I don't think anyone would have expected it. And those actions are not the actions of a sign that's going to say, yeah, we can wait. Or, yeah, let's cut bait now. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that even it, like we'll talk about the kits later because man, that third kit's beautiful. But Roma wouldn't have no sponsor at the moment if they weren't focused on the long term. Mm-hmm. They tried doing a short term sponsorship with digital bits, it didn't work. And they could have probably found like a one year sponsorship for cheap to add on or like add on five sponsors in the way that Napoli always does. Like they could have done that if they wanted to, they didn't. You mean you don't, you don't think, want Rudolph on our, our kit for Christmas? I think I'm good, man. I don't need the, I don't need, uh, I don't need, uh, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown showing up on, uh, on our kits around Halloween either. Um, but oh, like, I was waiting for that one. I was waiting for on the black kit with the art. Yeah, 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 yeah. But more seriously, like, I just think that everything that the freaking group has shown in the way that they run this club and the way they run a lot of different things has been a, an eye towards the long term and not an eye towards short term results. Yeah. If anything, I would say that the Pelota era was more defined by rash reactions to short term results than anything else. That makes me think that at the very least, Mourinho is going to be playing out his contract here. I don't think he's going to yeah. be fired. Um, There have been rumors suggesting that Conte would be an option if Mourinho doesn't extend with Roma, but that same rumor linked him to every other major Serie A club. So it's like, okay, how much it's like, Oh, Conte wants to be back in Italy. Great. Fine. Whatever. But that is the type of signing that I would expect for Roma at manager. If Mourinho doesn't stick around. Yeah, so, I think that would be like a next season thing that they might explore if Marino is not stick around. I, I think you're right there. I, I, I think, um, you know, for for people to think they're going to fire Marino, it just it doesn't. In my mind, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, you're, it doesn't you're kind of, with the actions that the club has done over the past several yeah, years. That and you're, you're kind of brought up uh, the Napoli situation even before the this, this he posted yesterday before the whole Osiman thing went down. But he said, "Why are Napoli fans throwing the alarm bells over Garcia? Well, Roma fans are relatively willing to give Mourinho time. This is especially jarring given Mourinho has the worst points per game in something like ten years of Roma manager, as well as the lowest win percentage." I think there's two two reasons in my opinion. For one, Garcia is the new manager at a club that just won the Scudetto last year and is now not performing to that same level as last season. And on the Mourinho side, he's one of the greatest managers of all time with a track record. He's brought Roma a trophy, brought them to another final. And while the league results have not been up to what we have hoped for, I think Roma fans are, you know, to most Roma fans, we're, we realize we're, we're lucky to have a manager like Mourinho at Rome, you know, in Rome, at Roma. Um, could the I'm results be better? Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I think a lot has to do with the the success of the clubs of late and that if this yeah. was Spalletti having this start to the season in Napoli, people would not be questioning him because he won the Scudetto last year. Yep. And Garcia's track record, let's be honest, when they, when he, they hired him, I was like, that's the Why? best thing for Roma and the rest of the league. Yeah. Because what has he done for me lately? And nothing. He was in the Middle East coaching. And when he was yep. in Rome... He had a good start and then things blew up. And, you know, we remember it, it went it went south fast in Rome when it went south. Yeah. Um, Let me just put it this way, Steve. I have worked in polling and data analysis for a while now outside of my life related to Roma. And the Mark Twain quote really applies. There are three things that I don't trust. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. There's so much additional context that needs to be applied to that stat about Mourinho's points per game compared yeah. to other managers. Like the entire 2010s or the vast majority of the 2010s for Serie A, the level of competition was a joke compared yeah. to what it is right now. The and Milan clubs were both down for a while. The Milan clubs were both down for a while. It was basically just Juventus smacking around Roma and Roma smacking around everybody else for an extended period of time. Like that was what it was. And that was great in the sense that Roma got second place in consistent champions league football for a very long time. Like it was good for finances. Unfortunately, the pull out the era of Roma wasted that, but still, you know, it was good for us. However, that's not the way that things are, are anymore. Like it just, it just isn't. And Roma needs to confront the fact that there are now four to six good sides in Serie A who could compete for Champions League football on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's it. And like, if you want to criticize Mourinho for having fewer points per game than other recent Roma managers, that has to be the proviso beforehand. Like, you have to say, well, the only real competition for most of the 2010s was Juve and Juve beat us. So for all that, those points per game, what did it get us? No yeah. trophies, no Scudettos, nothing like that's what happened. And with Mourinho, like, yeah, the places placement in the league hasn't been ideal every single season. We got a trophy, which mm-hmm. I think the last time that happened was 2008. For Roma? Yeah, a long time. Like, think about it. That that happened three presidents ago. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I was in college so, still, and, and exactly here I am, married with a kid now. So it, yeah, it's I don't. Been a I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you guys how old I was in 2008. But let's put it this way: I was young. Um, <laughs> um, point being, like perspective is required anytime you mention a statistic and just saying like, Oh, Mourinho's got fewer points per game. That's not really telling the whole story. Yeah. And will I still feel that way in a couple months? If Roma's in the mid table, of course not. But at this particular moment, it feels like a non story to say, well, compared to the, the managers who were playing in a far weaker Serie A, Mourinho hasn't won as many points. It's like, okay, Sure, that makes sense. Fine. Whatever. 
Yeah, it, it, it all has to be taken in context, I think, of the league especially. The league's a lot more competitive now um, in some ways because teams don't dominate like Juve did for the 2010s or maybe Inter did in the late 2000s when I first started following the league after the whole Calciopoli thing. So context is important um, for sure. Atalanta's become a, a top six side consistently, right? And that would, that would have never been imagined when we first started following the league. Um, you know, they've kind of taken the place of Fiorentina for for quite some time now as a top seven uh, and six team. So definitely there's things that have to be taken in context um, in terms of like what Mourinho's up against, the, the the financial troubles that Rome's had to go through. But I think he has brought some positives to the club, including a trophy, uh, a final that many Romanisti feel like we could have won and should have won last season had the refereeing been different. And, you know, we know penalty kicks are, are a crapshoot and that didn't go Roma's way. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. So, Jim, just to wrap up here, because I, I know we, we've got to wrap soon. The third kit dropped today. What are your impressions? I literally woke up this morning, saw the email from the Roma store that, that had dropped, purchased it immediately with the SPQR on the front and the Dybala on the back. It's an instant classic to me. Uh, my one quibble is that I don't love having the one little button at the top on the third on any kit. Uh, I think it's like kind of extraneous, but at the same time, the Roma black third kit has been iconic throughout the club's existence. The Lupetto has been iconic throughout the club's existence and bringing it back to Adidas with the three stripes being done in the uh, popsicle format has been, you know, that's that's just a straight win to me. Um, I love it. That's <laughs> that's basically about all I can say. I mean, I bought it within 30 minutes of seeing that it was on sale. So, Steve, what are your thoughts? I like it. I think that'll be the kit I buy this year. I haven't bought a kit in a couple seasons. I wasn't crazy about a lot of the New Balance stuff, and and I took it took it easy and didn't spend the money the past couple seasons. The last one I got was uh, the last Nike season with the the stripes going across the front that my wife got me the the mancini for my birthday the uh, ah. the authentic one when they went on sale um and i love that one um so i think i i think the the black one will be where i invest some money this year and and get a kid after a couple seasons and normally you know i'll show my wife you know to feel her out a little bit like oh what do you think of the new kit and she actually said this one was nice uh which is always good to hear i, I nice. it validates it a little bit yes <laughs> you know I mean, let's just be honest these kits are not no, they're not cheap, cheap. you know. No, yeah, not at all. And it was 160 bucks when you transferred over from Euros to USD for me when yeah. I bought that. But I, I told myself, you know, uh CDT doesn't exactly make me a millionaire, but it does, you know, <laughs> it, I, I can justify it based off of the uh pittance that we get yeah, to a couple of months CDT. of the pittance. It's like two months of CDT writing and I, I get that kit back, so you know it works out. Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, but you're, you know, you're, you don't, you don't have to answer anybody at this point in your life. So it makes it a little Not bit easier yet. for you, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I think I will get it. And I'm considering buying Cristante because mm. haters be damned. He is a crucial player in the team. I have my Pellegrini. I have my Mancini. And he's um, officially long-term. Like, I feel like we need to just appreciate that. Yeah. He's in his sixth season with the club. So even yeah. if he, you know, goes away after a season or two more, like he was with the club for a while. Like, I feel like he has become a romanista in, in this time he's he's been tenured long enough um and he's like second or third in the the captaincy charts at this yeah point too. yeah so. 
Yeah. And I like to buy players that also play for the Italian national team because then at least it serves a dual oh, purpose for me if they do go elsewhere. But um, Dybala is on my list possibly for next year if he signs that extension. Um, yeah. Besides the fact 21 was the number I think Cristante would probably be next season for me. I try to, you know, I I write for CDT mainly for the love of the game. But uh, beyond that, it is a nice way to uh, kind of defray the cost of Paramount Plus every year. And yeah. <laughs> And aroma kit. So that's what I tell myself. You know, I write I write this so that I can uh, pay into the uh, Roma DC club. I can buy myself a kit every season and I can subscribe to Paramount Plus. And uh, I think next season, assuming he's still around, Cristante is probably my my buy too. Yeah, it's 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 a cycle, right? You you just put the money back into what it's technically yeah. coming from, which is Roma exactly. related things. So. Exactly. Um, one lighthearted question to wrap on, Jim, and then we'll uh, we'll close this one here as we look ahead to uh, you know Genoa and Frozenone in the next two matches that we'll talk about probably next time we're here. This one came from where to go? Where to go? Let me scroll down a little bit. Uh, Kuplowski CZ, and he asked MLB or NFL. So to all of us, he said Bren will show up for one of these, right? Um, well, that's up to Bren. You'll have to ask him. Um, so. I'll say normally for me, I've always been a baseball player my whole life going through high school and everything. So normally I would say MLB, but right now the Yankees are down and they've been hard to watch for the mm-hmm. past two months. And I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan in the NFL and they are, they are coming off a Super Bowl appearance and a 3-0 start to the season. So right now, if I'm tuning in from here on out in the fall, I'll be watching more NFL, probably specifically the Eagles when they're on TV here in New York than uh, baseball because no Yankees playoffs for the first time in a while. Yeah, I think it's 2016, right? Last yeah. time that they were out of the playoffs. Um, I'm I hate to be annoying with this, but my favorite American sport by a country mile is uh, the NBA. So that is that's always going to be my thing. I grew up at the right time in New England to really get into the big three for the Boston Celtics with Paul Pierce, KG, and uh, Ray Allen, and Fortunately, my family still has season tickets for the Celtics, so they are that. That's that's my that's my team until I die. Uh, in terms of American sports, I would probably choose between the two of Major League Baseball and NFL. I would choose Major League Baseball. I'm also a Yankees fan. Uh, it's a long story. My family's not actually from New England, but you know, feel free to get angry at me in the comments for being a Yankees fan and a Celtics fan. Um, Point being, I would choose major league baseball uh, of the two. I, I, I played baseball as a kid. Uh, It's just, you know, a a big part of my childhood. So I'll, I'll, I'll always love it. All right, there you have it. And we will keep trying to get Brent on sooner or later. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it might take like a Scudetto or maybe a Champions League. I, I don't know, but we'll get him on. Yeah, Champions League win, and I'm gonna just like get him my gunpoint onto the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get him on. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about six points in the bag for Roma against Genoa and Frosinone on the weekend um, because they need it. We need it. Uh, all of you out there need it. We we need those points. We need to start feeling better about watching Roma. Um, yes. So thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.